Peace of Christ to you and a happy Easter. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt your conversations. seems uh, to me that one of the, the big questions of uh, our day about a variety of things is, is the same question. You know, is that real? You know, is that true? Um, a movie came out just this week uh, based on the uh, uh, best-selling book. Uh, the New York Times best-selling book for like three years. Best-selling uh, on their uh, top book-selling list for about three years. Heaven is for real. I haven't seen um, the movie, but uh, talked to uh, folks that read the book and other folks that have seen it and say it's, it's good. Um, but uh, the, the point is that I continue to want to make the case, is this real or not? You know, asking, is, is this real? Is this journey to freedom that, that we've been talking about through the season of Lent? You know, that, that God is at work in us through Christ and the power of His Holy Spirit uh, leading us on a journey to freedom. But freedom means that we are then empowered and able not to do what we want to do, but that we're empowered and able to do what God would want us to do, which is a whole lot better, I've found. But is that real? I mean, is this journey for real? Is what we've been uh, singing about and, and celebrating, is it real? Is the, the resurrection real? Or is it just a great story? Uh, just a, a wonderful plot that sells a lot of books? Or is it great history? Great his story. These events that we celebrate, propose to you, are the single most important truth of the faith. That Jesus is alive. That he was once dead and that he is now alive. That that is, is not just a great story, but it is real. And in His living, leads us into freedom in Him and by Him and for Him. And the resurrection guarantees that journey is real. So it, the resurrection is more than just being real. It is a guarantee that this journey of freedom in Him will be completed. Let's pray together. Gracious God, we, we ask now in this moment that your Holy Spirit would continue to lead and guide us, to direct us to you, show us yourself, what we need to receive from you and what it means to be people of the resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, we've been walking this last week with Jesus. We've been walking. It's one of the, the few times in the, the calendar of the church that we walk with Jesus in real time. You know, from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. Palm Sunday, last Sunday, we, we gathered and we, we talked to, about Jesus coming into Jerusalem, uh, coming in for his impending death. But the crowd was sort of unaware. You know, they were calling him King of Kings. 
and wanting him to take the throne now, but Jesus knew what he had to take in his journey. And on Thursday, Jesus gathered with his disciples, those that were his closest followers, and they celebrated um, the Last Supper, where Jesus said, I, I now take this bread, and this, this is my body that is broken for you. And he took the cup with the wine and said, This now is my blood that is shed for you. And he served his disciples by washing his feet and then pointed his nose to Jerusalem to serve all. Uh, where in a little over 24 hours, uh, through a few kangaroo courts, he was then convicted, beaten, betrayed, and hung on a cross. Taking what we deserved so that we could get what he deserved. And that's where we left it Friday night. And now, this morning, we come and celebrate that the grave couldn't hold him. That the, the power of God is greater than death itself. And therefore, it, greater than any other power that would oppose his love. That's why it's essential that the resurrection not just be a good story but it be real because the powers that oppose God of evil of injustice of sin of, of selfishness those are real and I need a power that's greater than those for me and for us but this, this question, is it real? Is the resurrection real? Did Jesus really die? Did he really, was he really raised from the dead? Is that really a necessary part of what we're about? Can't we just say this is a, it's a great metaphor, it's a good story, and, and it gives us good ways to live and gives us hope for tomorrow? Well, that's not a new question. They were asking the same thing in the church in Corinth. This is about uh, 20, 25 years after all that had happened with Jesus. After he'd been raised from the dead. And the church at Corinth was saying, you know, is this resurrection stuff really true? Is that real stuff? Do we, it sort of gets folks uh, confused about some of the other things about the faith. So let's, let's not make such a big deal about that. And Paul, who is informing the church, writing the church in Corinth, saying, wait a minute. This is absolutely essential. And, and if you want to know if, if the resurrection really happened, if resurrection is true, then come talk to me because I've seen him. And go talk to, to a few other folks that are around. He appeared to over 500 in those 40 days that he was on this earth as the resurrected Christ after his resurrection and before his ascension. And then he goes on theologically to say why it is absolutely essential. Um, why it is the fulcrum upon which the faith turns. Without it, then it becomes meaningless. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting with verse 12. It's found on page 935 in your pew Bible, or you can follow along on the screen. Now, if, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? 
If there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our proclamation has been in vain. And your faith has been in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified of God that He raised Christ. Whom He did not raise, if it is true that the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised. If Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those also who have died in Christ have perished. If for this life only we've hoped in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ Jesus has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have died. For since death came through a human being, the resurrection of the dead has also come through a human being. For as all die in Adam, so all will be made alive in Christ, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, then at his coming those who belong to Christ, then comes the end when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has destroyed every ruler and every authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that this does not include the one who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who put all things in subjection under him. So that God may be all in all. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So is this real? Is it necessary that it be real? That Jesus really be raised from the dead? Paul answers with a resounding yes. It is absolutely essential. This is not a secondary issue. This is not an extra. This is not whether or not you want power windows or not power windows. This is the engine. And without it, you're going nowhere. For Paul says if there's no resurrection from the dead, and that means Jesus has not been raised, and that means there is no heaven, and that means there is no freedom that comes from Him. If if indeed Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then he tells us in verse 14 that our faith is baseless. He uses the word vain there. means empty, baseless. has no basis. It's just a bunch of words. It's just a good story. But that's not what faith is in Christ. It is based on a real event. On what really happened. That Jesus died. His his heart stopped beating. His blood stopped circulating. His brain waves stopped functioning. And then, on the third day, He was raised to new life. That's what we believe. That is the essence of our faith. It's important to realize that that faith is not dependent upon our ability to conjure it up. 
or to defend it. Faith is only as valid as what it is based on. Man, I got news for you. I can have all the faith in the world that I can be a 6-6 point guard in the NBA. And that I can dunk on a regulation hoop. What's so funny? You know, but all the faith in the world does not mean I can fly. Yeah, I got faith that this platform holds me. You know, that I can jump and it can hold me. But it doesn't matter if I have a lot of faith or no faith. If this is poorly made, then it's going to crumble when I get up here. You had faith when you sat down in your chairs. You know, you put yourself in a precarious situation, leaning back. But you believed that that was well made. It wasn't just a story. That chair you're sitting in is not just a story. It's not just a philosophical construct. I mean, it is real. And it is holding you up. Now, if you have faith that this chair right here will hold you up, then come sit down and let's see how well that faith you know, does for you. No, Paul makes it clear that if Jesus wasn't raised from the dead, then our faith is baseless. It is vain. It is, it is based on that which is not true. And so, therefore, the, the faith is meaningless. Verse 17, he, he tells us that our, our faith, then, if Christ has not been raised, is futile. Meaning it's, it's useless. It has no power. It doesn't accomplish what we say it accomplishes. It, it doesn't accomplish power over sin. It doesn't accomplish forgiveness of our sin. It, it doesn't accomplish power over death. Death has not been conquered. We are still in our sins. And death wins if the resurrection isn't true. I mean, if the resurrection isn't, isn't true, then we are wasting our time here, brothers and sisters. Let's leave, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, and that's all there is. But because the resurrection is true, death has been conquered, and we know there is much more than we can see, feel, touch, and measure. That was really important to Paul. Because in his day, there were a lot of people who had died in the faith. They were proclaiming that Jesus was alive, that Jesus has been raised. And that got the early, a lot of Paul's friends and himself in prison. And a number of them beheaded. You die when you're beheaded, by the way. And so if there's no resurrection, then why in the world are we going around telling people there is and then dying for it? So if the resurrection isn't true, then our faith is baseless. Our faith is useless. You know, some want to say, you know, it's just a matter of how much faith you have. Faith in anything is good. Just have faith that, that it'll turn out all right. You know, that's just not true if it's not real. There are a whole lot of people that had a whole lot of faith in Hitler. Well, that's faith ill-placed. That's faith placed in one who is leading them down a road of destruction and death and evil. Paul makes it clear in verse 19 where he says, if, if for this life only we have hoped in Christ, 
Yeah, that, just to say, well, you know, Jesus is good for this life. He leads us in the, in the way of a, of a good life. And that's, that's nice, you know. And that's, well, that's really all we need to focus on, not focus on the afterlife. If th- for this life only, we've hoped in Christ. We are of all people most to be pitied. Because we've given ourselves, if that's the case, to a powerless lie. So it is absolutely essential that the resurrection is real. And it is the very basis of our lives in Christ. For me, it is the absolute essential core, the the anchor of my faith, that Jesus was dead and He was raised to new life. If, If you want to convince me otherwise, you want to convince me to give this up, then you're going to have to convince me that you've got Jesus' bones. He really died and stayed dead. Otherwise, this is the truth. This, this is the power of life. This is the power over death. This is the power that is beautiful. This is the power that leads to life and life abundant. This is the power that is good and right and true that raised Jesus from the dead and will raise anyone from the dead that is in Him. It is the power that leads us on this journey of freedom and this freedom that lasts forever to do the work that God has called us to do. If the resurrection is true, if it has occurred, then heaven is real. And that is where the risen Christ rules. It is the guarantee that this journey of freedom will one day be completed in Him. In verse 24 and 25, he says, because it's at the, the, the cross and in the power of the resurrection that the risen Christ has victory over every ruler, every authority, and every power. It's the risen Christ who reigns supreme over the evil one, over the evil that surrounds us, over the evil that's within us, that the selfishness that overtakes us, the sin that abounds in us. It is the risen Christ who has gained victory over those powers. I mean, all that works, all that is hostile, all that opposes the work of God was defeated at the cross and in the resurrection. I mean, the reality of the resurrection means that that a day will come when addictions will be defeated, when all illnesses will be cured, when injustice will be made right, when hunger and thirst and poverty will be no more, hatred and bitterness will be washed away, divisiveness and prejudice, greed, lust and sloth will be gone. And that's only me thinking about myself. You can add to the list for your own self of what the resurrection is overwhelms, overcomes, and is victorious over. All the enemies of the love of God are destroyed. So this freedom, this journey of freedom is real, and this freedom is forever. So we don't live in fear. We don't live in fear of death, nor in fear fear of the victory of evil. For in the power of the resurrection, 
that freedom is certain and sure. And we live then in the power of that resurrection as Easter men and Easter women. There's a, uh, one of my favorite uh, movie scenes, one of my favorite movies of all time, a movie called Amistad. And the, the story of, of Amistad is of uh, um, uh, Africans from Sierra Leone, West Africa. They were, they were abducted and uh, illegally put on a, a boat and then were going to be brought uh, to be slaves. And on their journey, the um, Sinke and Yamba, two of the leaders of the group, they revolt. Um, uh, and mutiny on the Amistad. And they take it over. And they, they now uh, sail the, the, the ship and eventually land on the coast of the uh, northeastern coast of the United States. And there the movie's about the trial. Are, are they slaves or are they not slaves? And it goes through that whole journey. Well, th- this uh, particular scene is one where they are enslaved. They are, uh, all of them are in this big uh, jail cell. And Yamba, one of the leaders, was given a Bible, a picture Bible, by a group of Christians that were praying for them and, and singing for them and praying for their um, abolition. And it's, he's been looking at the pictures and he's getting the events of what happened with Jesus. And he, even through the story, is becoming aware of the power of the reality of the resurrection, especially when you're facing imprisonment and death. So this, this video clip shows their interaction. And, and it also shows um, uh, the uh, judge, the judge in the case as well, who is being charged and challenged. Is he going to live according to the resurrection or not? Because the, the judge, if he rules that they're slaves, it does a whole lot with his career. Uh, because the uh, attorney general and the president are real happy with him. And that usually is good for your career when they're happy with you. But if he rules them free... Uh, then it will cause the death of his career. And does he, as well, believe in resurrection? You'll have to uh, see the rest of the movie to answer that um, question. But this, particularly in Sinke and Yamba and their interaction um, with the events of Jesus' life as it pertains to them.
It is in the reality of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus that we face the evil that is around us. And because that's true, because we can see through it, it's just not so bad. Because we know the reality. We know our certain future. We know that God will bring about what is best, right, and good in the end. At the end of what Paul says in verse 27 and 28, he says, Then then all things will be brought into God. God will be all and in all. So, so you know that, that all of us who are God's people and what we do in Christ that is good, that is righteous, uh, that, that is true, that is a part then of God in all fullness at the end of time. And this journey that we are on will be true for all of eternity. That in Him, in the power of the resurrection... What is good, right, and true will be forever. The enemies of the love of God will be defeated and destroyed. The resurrection is real. It's not just a great story. The resurrection of Jesus is the essential work of God. The key that unlocks the chains that enslave us to the devil, to sin, to selfishness, and to death. It is because of the real resurrection of Jesus that we are on a journey of freedom from evil and sin and death and all that opposes the love of God. That freedom is real. That freedom is forever. 
And we are walking into that freedom because Jesus is alive. Amen.